You're listening to the FIC podcast. National Director John Stevens gives an update on the latest lockdown guidance and the implications for churches. Let's turn um, uh, from uh, there um, to briefly um, consider, as I said, a, a sort of an update in relation to government guidance for COVID. Last week, I gave an overview of um, the guidance that had been published up until that point, um, which was focusing really on um, when we're able to meet, how we're able to meet and the dates for meeting. Um, in the period since um, uh, kind of uh, the last webinar, the government has published um, uh, sort of the guidance that's relevant for children and youth activities uh, in church. So I just want to give you an overview, the key points about children and uh, youth activities. I know that many churches are frustrated about whether we're able to run children and youth activities. Um, uh, and now we've got a, a clearer picture. The bottom line, which is, um, uh, I think, crucially important is we won't be able to do what we would normally do until after the 12th of April. But the 12th of April becomes the key date around which um, we can plan. The um, guidance for children and youth activities comes from a variety of different sources and places. Um, the key places to go for that um, are to the uh, kind of government uh, advice on um, uh, sort of out of school uh, settings. Um, those are most relevant to um, uh, our church contexts. They're specifically said to cover the context of Sunday schools. They obviously um, also include other children's clubs um, uh, other than Sunday schools. So um, the guidance is derived primarily from the out of school settings uh, material and there's some there for providers. There's government advice for parents which says what they should expect. The Baptist Union has produced a really helpful update on children's and um, youth and family ministries, um, uh, which um, again is uh, available online. Just to summarize where we're at, firstly, first key thing is uh, the dates that activities can restart. I'm speaking here about England. There isn't yet any guidance in Wales as to when things can restart in Wales or, Scot or indeed in Scotland. So um, uh, it's only the position in England that seems uh, clear at the moment. Um, already at the moment, um, churches are able to provide indoor and outdoor provision, but only for limited categories of children. So um, even at the moment, you can provide um, an indoor and outdoor provision for vulnerable children and young people, and then um, uh, for the children of critical workers, but only where that provision is necessary to enable parents and carers to work, search for work, undertake educational training or attend medical appointments or a medical need. So in other words, you can only run children's activities for a very limited category of children, which will not cover most of what we do in church. Most of what we do in Sunday school or church clubs couldn't really be said to be to enable parents and carers to work or for those other uh, sort of reasons. Um, uh, on the 8th of March, that's gonna change slightly you'll be able to provide indoor and outdoor um, provision. But again, there are strict limits on who the children are that you're supposed to serve. It's guidance rather than law, but the guidance says provision should only be offered again to vulnerable children and young people. And then the key difference from the present is that it's not limited to the children of critical workers, but it is still the same limitation that the, um, the activity is meant to be reasonably necessary to enable parents to search for work, undertake education, um, uh, attend a medical appointment or address a medical need. So again, from the 8th of March, it's a broader group of children who can take part, but it doesn't offer the same freedom to do everything um, uh, in the way that we might uh, sort of wish. It's still for a limited purpose of enabling parents and carers um, to do those other things. So it's primarily 
children's ministry for the benefit of parents, not the children um, uh, themselves. From the 29th of March, um, uh, things will change a little bit further. That will allow outdoor provision for all children. So at that point, you'll be able to have outdoor um, provision of activities um, uh, for all children, irrespective. Um, and that will include outdoor parent and child groups um, with up to 15 parents uh, kind of present. I should say, um, when I'm speaking about children's activities and youth activities, that's for the children and youth. The expectation is sort of parents aren't present there. But from the 29th of March, um, you can do outside um, uh, work uh, for children. And then the key date becomes the 12th of April, which the government have said um, at the earliest is the point at which you will be able to provide indoor and outdoor provision for children as normal. So um, from the 12th, there'll be no limitations on which children are able to take part in the activities that are being run. That's the point at which um, running Sunday schools, children clubs, et cetera, um, uh, will be permitted, provided the government um, uh, 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 sort of permits that. So um, it, they've said at the earliest, all the trajectories at the moment suggest that things are going well, but that will need to be confirmed. But as I said, essentially that means um, you won't be able to run the things you would normally run until um, the 12th of uh, sort of uh, April. Similarly, then you'll also be able to run indoor parent child groups with um, 15 uh, parents present. So those are the dates that the activities can restart. The other part of the equation is the guidance for the way that you um, run these activities when you're available to. So the first question is whether you can hold certain activities. The second question is then what is the guidance for how you run uh, those um, uh, activities. And these, these will apply, I think, even after the 12th of April. So the 12th of April allows you to have the groups, but the guidance um, uh, sort of will continue to apply unless changed. Um, so there, uh, there are various elements of the guidance. Um, I'm not gonna repeat all that we know already about issues of social distancing, hand washing, cleaning, all of those kinds of things, those remain. But the key things to note from our perspective are firstly group size, um, where the children are under five, where they're all under five, there is no maximum size. The maximum size is determined by the number of adults um, uh, present for the number of children. So maintaining the right safety ratios. But for under fives, there's no um, specific uh, limit. But where any of the children are over five, so as soon as it's over fives, whether there are under fives there or not, as soon as you've got over fives, then basically the advice is to keep in small consistent groups of no more than 15. So there's a limit on the total number of uh, kind of children and young people um, that should be in the groups. Um, it's specifically said that you can have multiple groups of 15 children um, and staff in the same shared space. So you could in a church hall have multiple groups of 15 children provided you maintain distancing between uh, the groups. Um, that's uh, group sizes. The other element that the guidance includes is in relation to face coverings. This is where there's been change. So um, uh, in relation to secondary age children, um, uh, there is uh, the guidance is that they should wear face coverings indoors, including in classrooms and during the activities, unless it's possible to maintain two meter social distancing between the children. So the added element of the guidance in a way that almost the condition for allowing things to start meeting up again is that older children should wear face coverings at all times indoors, um, even for um, the uh, activities. Um, in relation to primary school children, there's not the same um, uh, 
expectation that primary school children should wear face coverings, but staff and adult visitors uh, should wear face coverings if they can't maintain social distancing between um, the adults. Um, these measures, particularly in relation to face coverings, will be in place until Easter, and the advice says that they will be reviewed, but it doesn't promise that they will be uh, kind of re removed. So again, up until Easter, um, if you are able to hold um, uh, sort of gatherings of any kind, meetings of any kind, the face covering rules uh, guidance will um, uh, uh, apply. The other element in the guidance which is relevant is that um, it says that ideally children should only attend one out of school setting in addition to school. Um, uh, so um, obviously out of school settings covers everything, all kinds of children's clubs, scouts, brownies, everything else. Parents are being advised that their children should only attend one other out of school setting um, in addition to school. And the guidance says that that setting ought to be local to the, um, their home or to the school, which is defined as being in walking or cycling distance. Again, that could have some limitations as to um, uh, sort of uh, the children who uh, could attend. And lastly, um, in relation to all of these uh, kind of um, uh, clubs and activities, parents and carers should not be allowed into the setting unless that is essential. So it's the, the children and the staff who are meant to be undertaking the activity. Parents are not allowed uh, unless it's essential. As I said, I mentioned a couple of exceptions of um, specifically parents and child groups with up to 15 parents, but outside of that, parents and carers shouldn't be allowed in. So the good news is um, a, a great freedom to continue children and youth activities after the 12th of April, um, uh, but with these various guidance uh, limitations, some of which may be removed, um, uh, although that is not um, promised, it will depend upon the government reviewing the situation nearer the time. I hope that gives you a basic overview of um, what the position is, um, and I hope that helps you to be able to plan and think through what you might be able to do in church life. Phil, do you want to guide us through what questions we've got? Yeah, thanks, John. we Will do. Uh, inevitably, there's quite a lot about the guidance this week, John, given the update you've given and what's come out in the past yeah. uh, week or so. So I will start there. And um, John, you mentioned uh, about the 15 parents being allowed to come along as part of a children's yep. group uh, in your update. Uh, do those who are leading count among those 15 parents? Often, I guess, some parents would also be leaders and vice versa. Or they would, would that be separate to that? Um, as far as, I mean, obviously it does, it's not intended to include the staff who are running it, but obviously if those are staff are parents and they're bringing children, it is a way of limiting the overall numbers. So I would say 15 parents plus staff. If your parents are your staff, I think it's best to stay on the line of counting at the maximum number of parents. So um, the government's never going to lay that down in precise detail. That's too detailed for the kind of guidance they provide. But I would suggest that that's the sensible thing to do. And John, when we're talking about ages of children, uh, are we talking about fives and under or fives and over, if that makes sense? What happens when somebody gets to the, the age of five? How does, how does that cash out? Which way around is it? Five and under or five and over? Um, I think it's five and over. So are we, are we talking in terms of the age groups as to which kind of yes. um, group? So it's, it's under five. It's basically school group. It's pre-reception is basically how it's being thought of. So they tend to think in terms of pre-reception, primary school and secondary school. 
Thanks, John. Uh, kind of wider question talking about, uh, it's kind of in three parts really, but it's really a helpful question to ask. Uh, first of all, is there any expectation of when the places of worship guidance will be updated? And then linked to that, how would you encourage churches to plan uh, with those horizons in mind and make decisions in the meantime? Should, for example, we be planning summer, summer activities? Uh, what would you advise? Well, the first on the places of worship guidance, I think I said last week, I'm not sure that the, the changes in terms of what we do at church when we gather for worship, particularly change until the 17th of May at the earliest. So in terms of what happens in the worship service, there isn't any great pressure for the current guidance to be changed. So I don't think we should expect some kind of significant change in the guidance for places of worship, because frankly, that's not intended to change until much later down the process. So that's the only point at which you begin to allow any kind of mixing between groups in church. So really nothing changes for a couple of months. Some things change in terms of what you can do outdoors and the children's out of school setting stuff is different, but the basic worship service of the church, that basically remains the same until uh, late in May and then finally restrictions are not released until the 21st of uh, June. So in, in broad terms it, the simple fact is that under, under the government's proposals children's stuff doesn't return to anything like normality until the 12th of April. Church you can begin to do a bit of mixing inside from the 17th of May but nothing is back to normal until the 21st of June. Even at that stage, the government hasn't made commitments about social distancing and face coverings and how that will all work. So those are the horizons on which I think we have to plan. Um, having said that, all of the statistics and figures are very positive in terms of the reductions of hospitalizations, the reductions of death, the reductions of numbers of cases of COVID. Uh, now, the government is already being pressured to move more quickly. We know that the scientists are relatively cautious because they want to see what the effects are of every step. And they've said it takes five weeks for you to know the full impact of a relaxation. So I think we're probably going to have to live with the timetable that government has set out. But there's nothing to indicate at the moment that that timetable won't be able to be kept. I think that's the sensible kind of planning horizon um, at the moment. And I think for all of us, it's wise to have a measure of um, sort of, in a sense, caution. I think what people don't know is what will happen in the autumn um, as kind of the weather changes and respiratory infections increase again. So uh, for all of our planning, I think we've got to just at least have in our mind a, a measure of caution that social distancing, face coverings, restrictions like that might remain in place. I don't know if that's helpful, but that seems to me to be the best way to approach um, the guidance uh, at the moment. I also think in terms of when we come out of it, for many church leaders, something to think through is for us, it's easy to think that suddenly when the restrictions are lifted, everybody will want to be back at church and hyperactive in church. I think a lot of people in our congregations will be wanting to see family, friends, catch up with people. I'm not sure that even when it comes to June, that will be the point at which everybody recommits to church as their top priority. People's lives have been hold, on hold across every area. So it's worth bearing that in mind in planning. I think we as church leaders have this expectation that suddenly church will become central and everybody will be there. I suspect there'll be a time lag before we actually equalise to a normality that was anything like it was before the kind of the lockdowns began. Uh, thanks, John. Um John, are we, are we likely to be able to sing either inside or outside at Easter? And if that's too soon, when might outdoor singing be permitted? 
Um, I don't know. Government hasn't said anything about that at all yet. The current guidance remains in place. Um, I think you can see that the, the, the guidance is designed to gradually loosen social restrictions, open up businesses and enable people to kind of meet in small groups. Um, I, I haven't heard anything that would indicate that government is going to change the position in relation to singing. Um, we'll let you know as soon as anything comes from that. We will continue to ask government that question. But there hasn't been any indication that that is going to be um, rapidly changed. And I think given the overall government's position is to uh, loosen very slowly, I'm not sure we're expecting any sudden immediate change on that front. Uh, John, in terms of the vaccine rollout, obviously this is gathering pace, which has been encouraging to see across the country. And um, should it change our guidance to over 70s attending church? Because they've always been classed as vulnerable. If they've had the vaccination or vaccinations, uh, should that change our advice to them in terms of their attendance at church? Well, I mean, in some sense, the, the more important question is what the government advice is to them that I think we ought to keep informing um, the various age groups of. Um, even though the vaccines provide a high level of protection, I think there is still a measure of caution because they're not 100 percent protective. And therefore, for people who are most vulnerable, they may provide protection for a, a large percentage of those that are in that category, but not for everyone. And certainly while the whole population is not protected, and therefore there are people who could pass on coronavirus, the government advice is not changed. Um, it is advice rather than law, but I do think that we would be wise to keep um, um, our sort of more vulnerable and older people aware of what the government advice is for them so that they can make an informed decision without being pressured by ours. Uh, John, a couple of churches have got important decisions to make, uh, perhaps the calling of a pastor or a worker. Very difficult to do that kind of AGM work on Zoom. When do you think it would be advisable for churches to gather for a kind of AGM or, or a similar church meeting to make those important decisions in person? I'm not sure I know the answer to that question. I think in principle, you can meet in the church building. So it's not problematic for gathering together. It's the nature of the interaction between the people who are there. So you can go quite a long way towards having in-person gatherings if people want to gather in the church premises, because it's a place of worship and you can use it for different kinds of meetings that are there. The problem is the, the rules associated with the mingling um, uh, uh, with one another. Obviously, um, I think it's the 29th of March that stay at home restriction is removed. So from that point, it becomes more possible to have those gatherings in um, a, a church building. So after the 29th of March, it should be possible within the guidelines to have those kinds of gatherings. Um, but as I said, it's, it's much more to do with the mingling and the way the meeting is conducted, um, uh, rather than the fact that you can't physically meet. Uh, John, one here about weddings. There's been a bit of confusion about the dates that the exceptional circumstances end because of the way the government guidance was published. Have we got any clarification on that? Um, the, the dates of the 8th and the 29th seem to be saying sort of contradictory yeah. things. Um, I wouldn't say we've got any clarification from government. There was some um, confusion over this and different sources will say different things, including different newspapers and different websites. The problem is that the um, original government document, if you look only at the picture, it seems to suggest weddings with six people um, can go ahead from the 8th of March. And a whole load of commentators took that as the position. When you read the text, it seems to be clear that it's only the 29th of March when you're able to have a wedding for six people, um, uh, which... Um, uh, sort of isn't in exceptional circumstances. And there hasn't been a definitive clarification from government, but I just checked a, a few things. The BBC 
um, uh, sort of a wedding website called Hitched. Um, uh, 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 all say it's the 29th. Um, the general off registry office, which is the people overseeing registry offices, have said that it's the 29th for weddings in general and have pointed out that before the 29th, there's a stay at home order. So therefore, you shouldn't be going to be going and getting married, except in exceptional circumstances. Um, uh, the registry offices themselves are saying on their websites, not before the 29th of March. So I, I think probably the right interpretation of what government has said is um, that weddings uh, where there aren't exceptional circumstances uh, after the 29th of March. It's worth saying that actually it was always guidance rather than law that it was weddings confined to exceptional circumstances. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a guidance issue. Um, and um, a number of people have contacted the government and the task force for greater clarity on this because of the uncertainty. But as far as I know, government hasn't responded yet. Um, from their perspective, it's not top priority. Quite frankly, they don't think anybody's going to be getting married with only six people. If in a, a few weeks' time, they can be getting married with a much bigger group of people um, to come. So I don't know whether there will be clarification coming on that point. Um, it's just not their top uh, a kind of issue. But I think the best reading of probably what, what is intended in the advice is that it's the 29th of March when um, you can have a, a wedding with six people and it's not in exceptional circumstances. Uh, final question, John. Uh, a lot of churches do camps or similar for kids in the summer. Is that likely to be able to go ahead in any form after the 21st of June? What would your advice be? I think given that the uh, kind of position for out of school activities is saying, yes, you can do um, uh, events as normal, actually after the 12th of April, it, it looks as though it will be possible for those events to go ahead. Um, I think the unknown at this point is what the criteria will be in terms of social distancing. So it's it's more of the a framework of guidance as to the nature of uh, sort of what's needed in, in social distancing terms um, uh, that we don't know yet. But in principle, as it stands at the moment, being able to go on holiday, being able to have a camp, being able to get people together, it is anticipated that that will be possible under the government's framework for the relaxing of um, uh, the restrictions. John, that's great. That's all the questions. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the FIC podcast. For more resources for church leaders, subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and visit our website at fiec.org.uk.